Welcome to this latest edition of the Standing Orders Podcast with me, Dr. Thomas Foreman, and my co-host, the Emeritus Mayor, Sue Lorne. How are you, Thomas? I'm very well, and how are you? Oh, fine and dandy. Thank you very much. You know, I was listening back to some of the, the previous podcasts, and the amount of times you're fine and dandy, your life must be fantastic. <laughs> I know. Actually, as I just said that, I thought, how many times have I said, I normally say good morning <laughs> or good afternoon, and then I thought, well, no, I need to stop saying that, because then that sort of gives away the time of the day that we're, we're, we're I don't having. I think that matters. Meeting. I think you're Doesn't okay. It? No, you think because I'm we a, do some yeah, in the morning and some in the evening. I'm just trying to be so that it can be any time, any day, anywhere, any place. So it's like we're directly talking to people at the time they're listening. Yes, yes. So if it's morning, evening, yes. I could be anywhere. You could be anywhere. Okay, let's let's try this again. <laughs> the Standing Orders Podcast. Welcome to this latest edition of the Standing Orders Podcast with me, Dr. Thomas Foreman, and my co-host, the Emeritus Mayor Sue Lorne. Good morning. <laughs> Good evening, Thomas. How the devil are you? <laughs> you know, I'm not going to edit that out. Um, <laughs> okay, okay. I'm just going to see how many intros we can get into one podcast. Um, it's actually, we've, we've got nothing to talk about this week. Local government's fine, and it's just going to be 30 minutes of introductions. Um, yeah, the world's a wonderful place, so let's just keep repeating ourselves. So, actually, this week we're going to talk about what Rishi Sunak has uh, announced, which is the rollback of key green targets. And I'll give you an overview of this because it's relatively hot off the press. And I know that you have had your hair, nails? No, none no, of them, actually. No. So, so what's your excuse for not seeing the news? <laughs> oh, gosh, the shops I had to go to grandchildren oh. I to look after well I, I didn't want to stereotype oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> so on, you'll be aware that following I have to say numerous leaks over the past 24 hours as to what is yes. actually going to be announced um basically it's, it's a rollback of a lot of what we were expecting to happen um and some of it now is going to happen five years on so all the stuff around uh, new gas boilers, um, like that's all now going to 2035. The stuff with heat source pumps will now be when boilers are replaced and a lot of houses won't need it all together. And probably the, the main one for a lot of people is they're putting off the uh, petrol and diesel car ban by another five years. So that's now 2035. And I think he's explaining it in terms of the financial cost to people at the moment, which I think... To be fair, everyone will have some sympathy for because, well, you know, the cost of living, you know, things are getting more expensive. People's wages in in some ways are stagnating, perhaps not in some instances as much as we would like. Um, but, you know, we're, we're kind of looking at people struggling to make ends meet. And so is now the time to be prioritizing kind of green policies over, you know, basically people being able to put food on the table. So do you think Rishi was right? Oh, that's a $20 billion question, isn't it? Um, I think, 
I think under the circumstances, I think it is the right thing to do. I think that um, when this agreement was made that we were, everything was going to happen by 2030, um, we, and you're going to correct me here, we didn't have COVID. That was pre-COVID, wasn't it? It was pre-COVID, but, yeah. So uh, we've had the most horrendous four years of um, A conservative government. circumstances that any government would have had to deal with um up until 18 months ago um yeah so it was with with covid and um and then coming out of covid and um you know I, i think you know the strikes are seriously bringing this country to its knees um all of those things are just uh put in our economy in a serious, serious situation. So yes, um, the wages are stagnated. But saying that, inflation is coming down. So uh, this morning it it, it dropped. But as the good old BBC always likes to put any good news story, well, it's, you know, this is what they were expecting, but we wanted to be more than never satisfied. The fact that it's coming down and has done for two months now. You know, twice. Um, it's. Uh, it, I think it's. It's pretty good, but uh, we've obviously still got a long way to go. Uh, so I think that by easing these measures, uh, I think that it it it's been a bit more realistic, and uh, we might just be able to make it by twenty thirty five. You see, you know, twenty thirty is only just seven years away. It yeah, is, and, and you, but seven you, years. It, it is a long time. Yeah, but it is it's a fair amount of time, but you know, it's it's still relatively um short, you know, for, for expecting every household in the in the country to be or in, in the UK. Yeah, it's, it is maybe Scotland and Wales aren't part of it, but in England anyway. Um expecting everybody to be green well, the way that uh, they'd stated under the circumstances that we've just been through on the past four years, I just don't see that it was ever going to happen anyway. You see, I'm, I have a couple of thoughts. Um, the first one is, I think the ambition for 2030, we'd be looking at, at what we'd have had another, I want to say two general elections between now and then. And you don't think that we can do something as major as that within the timescale of two general elections. Just makes me think that actually... Jesus. Oh, excuse me, but what have we done in, in, since the last general election? Uh, I think quite a lot, haven't we? Really? Yeah, everything's gone downhill. Things have got more expensive. <laughs> Life's got more difficult. I mean, sorry, was, was that not the aim? I was thinking... <laughs> I was trying to be positive. Was that the manifesto? <laughs> I forget. Um, <laughs> I think it was in Theresa May's I bet manifesto. You, I bet you're glad you went door knocking to support this. <laughs> I bet you wish you'd stayed in bed. Um, <laughs> they thought that Theresa May's manifesto was horrendous. Jeez, if they don't, if they could only see into that crystal ball. <laughs> Honestly, I think, I genuinely, I think people are going to look back at like the years of Theresa May and think, you know, it wasn't so bad. You know, you know. 
And did you hear bloody Liz Trust this week? Liz Trust bigging it up and blaming everyone but herself. I think that I think the last few years have made Harold Wilson look look good. <laughs> we shouldn't laugh. This is not a fa- this is not a laughing matter, actually. No, I actually well, no. To be fair, it's not funny. It's farcical. Um, yeah. and, and that's absolutely fine to laugh at. I mean, what I would say is, I think, um, and this is, you know, I'm not stating an original view here. Um, a lot of big businesses have come out and said that basically they need consistency from the government in terms of what they're investing in and what they're doing. And mm-hmm. businesses yeah. have been pushed hugely to meet these targets. And, you know, public bodies and the public have all been like given this target to work towards and then to be told, you know, seven years out, oh, by the way, we're sticking another five years on it. It, it has changed the kind of the immediacy of, but, of this. It, it's made it far less urgent and companies that have been investing in meeting this kind of urgent target are now hmm. thinking, well, why did we bother? You know, the most expensive hmm. way of doing things is short notice or in a hurry and without consistency. Yeah. So what they've actually done is in, in trying to, you know, make people better off, they have actually just meant that, you know, companies have been investing. Companies have done the most expensive way, which is going to be passed on to now consumers. And I think, you know, you look at some of the other stuff they're doing, like relaxing the um, like the requirement to have insulation done, which was part of their target for, I think, 300,000 homes a year for the next three years. That's now going, by the way. So which is actually mean that people's bills are going to be as expensive as they were because they're no longer doing that. And they're looking at doing a kind of a subsidy energy efficiency scheme, but not force homeowners to make those changes. So people will be prioritizing other spends instead of doing something which will actually save them and the environment in the long run. I just think it's a bit... I mean, can I say ham-fisted? Is ham-fisted okay? I think so. It's just a bit... I I just think it's a bit odd, really. But but to be... in all honesty, does this really, really surprise you that they've extended it by another five years? No, it it doesn't. doesn't surprise me at all. And people have been saying from the day one, whenever they first announced this was going to happen by 2020, 2030, people were saying, it's just not possible. It's just not going to happen. But then when you say about the um, – so it doesn't surprise me at all, and I probably wouldn't even be surprised that they'll extend it again before – 35 but does with all that's happening especially over this summer you know everybody's saying about climate change and um but we need to be sorting things out um and again you know what we've had last winter with the the cost of energy to heat the homes etc isn't it something that is probably in every homeowner's thoughts at the moment is how to best insulate your house, how to save on your energy costs. So it is better that you go with a a greener um, energy to heat the home. It's better that you do insulate your homes. I think that homeowners will still do all of this. I think the people that will suffer will be landlords who are not going to come up to scratch with what the the government expects a home to be. I mean, there's um, all, I think there's already an expectation on landlords, and I think people will do it to lower bills. But the the incentivization of it 
it's somewhat gone and the the requirement of it has been relaxed and i just think like to be honest with you all of this is like and i'm not an economist like <laughs> this will surprise you but you know <laughs> it, it it as far as i'm aware it is you know a kind of economic certainty that if you kind of create this kind of um how can I put it? this demand um, that actually, you know, jobs are going to be created to fill that demand because ultimately you're going to insulate your homes. You need people to go and do that. People will yeah. be paying money, which will then mean that people are employed to go and do these jobs. And actually all of the green incentives that we were looking at were likely to be job creators in the green economy. And so actually now that has pretty much gone there are going to be people that either aren't going to invest, start businesses, look at kind of, you know, creating opportunities and creating jobs. And so the economy is actually going to be impacted negatively by this as opposed to positively, which is then going to lead to people not having as much money and disposable income, which again will impact upon the economy. And so it's actually making things worse for people rather than better. Gosh, you could be working for the BBC, couldn't you? No, not necessarily, because what you have to understand as well is that we were going to lose a lot of jobs by cutting off the old traditional um, energy, um, and, and, you know, for example, the cars. Um, so we were going to be electric cars instead. No, but, but but they're not going to rush to do that anymore, are they? So well, no, that, never... that's what I'm saying. But but before, if they did the change by 2030, yeah, but we would be like... losing. We, we is is because it's all we, we're going to lose the mechanics that we had. We're going to lose the garages that we had because they're well. The, obviously, the cars are still going to be running for probably another ten years. But with that side of the economy, we will be losing that old traditional way of servicing cars and things, because that's all gone. You don't need there a mechanic anymore. Well, you do. There yes, I know. Mm-hmm. Yes, but you're saying that those jobs are going to be lost, but that they're not going to come online just yet. Um, so, well, not but, not. The, yeah, but, but we'll still have the old, so we're, we're, which by moving on to greener energy, we were always going to be losing jobs behind it. So this way, but I just don't see why people can't look at this and think that, um, okay, we still got to do this, but we, we, we have five more years to do it in. So that just means that there's not such a rush, but you still have to do it. You know, so, well, so it's better, like we changed our boiler, um, last year. So, and that boiler was 20 years old. Um, so it did need to be changed. And I don't know what I would have changed it to. Um, but we went to what, but we could, yeah, we probably could have done actually if we'd have had probably thinking if we'd had more time, I probably (laughs) would have probably considered it. (laughs) But, uh, immediate need of a hot shower. I'm sorry, I need my shower. Get that heat up out of here. I'm another gas boiler. Just get me a gas boiler. 
you, you, you know, that there's there's always um, positives and negatives to every I guess story. I should just be happy that you aren't trying to employ someone to shovel the coal into your fires <laughs> to keep the water warm. <laughs> uh, I did think about when this all first started with uh, the the rises in the energy costs. I did say to Kevin, we need to put a hole in that wall, <laughs> get a wood Sorry. burner in and just forget um, using either gas or uh, electricity. Go back to the old days, candles, oil lamps. Let's just take us back to basics. I think we should because say... It just... Go on. At this point, Kevin is your favourite Labrador. <laughs> <laughs> just for anyone not familiar with who Kevin is. <laughs> Just as well, he can't hear this. (laughs) But no, but you know, I got really angry whenever, you know, these price rises were coming in. (laughs) Got really angry. (laughs) Can you, you, that's not fair. But just thinking, you know, that they're making these millions and millions of pounds profit at the expense of everybody who who switches a, a light on or turns the, you know, the gas on. And I thought, well, let's just do this. Let's just go back to basics. But Kevin wouldn't do it. <laughs> see, but, um, we, but we could do it. We literally could take ourselves back really? to the 60s. Yeah. I, I just, the thing is, like, you will have had those discussions about when we moved away from, like, coal, you know, yeah. everyone, at, well, obviously there were strikes and everything else about the yeah. loss of jobs yeah. with coal. And, yes, it decimated communities, and I'm not saying it didn't. Yes. But I think that the the next kind of green revolution that we we were going through, and we still will be going through, but in I, th- I think in a less spectacular way. Um, I think that there will be jobs lost, but there will be a lot of jobs created, and I think it would be good for the economy. And the green economy was kind of like what the what the UK was almost kind of setting its future on. We were mm. being far more ambitious than other countries. So our like basically our kind of commitments to, you know, 2030 were far better than a lot of the developed economies and, and, you know, other countries who are comparable. And so we were kind of leading the way. And now all we've said is they were all right. And actually, you know, we're not such a green economy after all. But I think, Mm. you know, what has struck me recently is, you know, you've got – an awful lot of communities who have now created, you know, the climate crisis committees and, you know, declarations of of climate emergencies. What's your stance on that? Do you think that, you know, small councils, I know some like larger councils obviously have, but do you think small town parish community councils should be, you know, declaring climate emergencies and creating committees to look at it? No, I don't. I don't. I well, don't that's that done then. So, so <laughs> let me so let me get this straight. You're all for coal. You're all for oil lamps like the 1960s, and you think people shouldn't yeah. have climate no, crisis committees. I said wood. <laughs> I said wood. Take the trees down. We all know the old trees aren't doing us any favors anymore. So take the down, plant new ones. Uh, no, I don't think it is the place of the the small town councils or the parish councils to say uh, yeah, let's all um, uh, register with a, a climate emergency. Is everybody should be working to make sure that and, and you know and as a town council we did that 
um, for over many years, didn't we? You know, yeah, we did. Uh, the, uh, so, so we Banning did single-use plastics, job. doing insulations, you know, improving, you know, water-saving measures, so, all of the normal and, things. Tree planting, yeah. I think thousands of trees we planted. So, yeah, yeah I, I get what you're saying. And it didn't cost us anymore, did it? And if anything, we saved because we, we were using everything that we'd, you know, cups, et cetera. Um, they, you know, we weren't wasting money on on plastics and throwing things away we were planting the trees and mostly we got the trees given to us didn't we so um so it didn't cost us a fortune to do that and maybe that is something that needs to be put out there is for the small town and parish councils it is is much easier for them to to you know to to get use of single-use plastics as uh, as it is for a, a bigger bigger council to do it there is so many ways that you could uh, maybe that's something that we need to discuss um further another time how smaller towns and parishes uh, can can bring themselves into a, a better uh, environment and yeah I, I think actually you could lead us on that conversation with your foresight of no one needs a committee and we can go back to wooden coal um, I think it's, <laughs> no you know, not coal not coal <laughs> sorry that's my Welsh roots uh, you, coming through you, <laughs> you um you won't you won't ever remember having to to come down in the mornings um whenever there was it was just literally the coal fire in the in the front room that uh, kept um, that. That's where hey, you got your heating no, from. Actually, you know, you, you say that my grandparents had a. Um, I think it was. I'm not sure what the actual term is. I was called like a back boiler, which was yes. the boiler was heated by the coal fire. Yeah. So if you didn't have yeah. a coal fire, the radiators didn't get, get hot, hot and you didn't get hot water. Yeah. Yeah. So I remember that, and I remember the the brisk cold showers that I I used to have on a regular basis because my grandfather wouldn't light a coal fire. Yeah, like he would lay the fire at six in the morning, but we weren't able to light it until like the night. And by that time, everyone had already showered. Everyone had frozen, you know, yeah. grandmother had had frozen to death, um, and then he would light the fire. Um, yeah. So yeah, I do remember. I, I do and remember then, it. And then that one room would get so hot. Yeah, that the rest of that, you, you'd open the door. Yeah, you'd open the door and it'd be freezing cold. You know, but um, genu- but you, genuinely, it used to get so hot. He what he used to do was get his bottle of red wine because my grandfather <laughs> liked to drink, and he would stick it next to the fire, and it was almost like. You know, the cork yeah. would sometimes pop off from the pressure yeah. and the heat that had been there. And it was like you had to blow the wine before you drank it because room temperature was actually parboiling. <laughs> it was mulled wine. wine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but again, you know, so, so you think, you know, and again, it's, it's, again, I remember my grandparents, they had oil lamps in the in the house and my grandpa would go around and um and light them as as the dusk was coming down the smell of it was just so gorgeous it was pa- paraffin yeah paraffin, paraffin lamps. i mean and of and course you know we we used to have like the street lights used to be the same so you know parish street lights <laughs> used to yeah. used to have the the lighters who would go around and they would light the gas um like and and you would have the gas Going into Thomas, each I think one that's of them. fractionally before my time. Do you? 
Do, well, you don't remember that. No, of course I don't remember that, but I thought you might. Gaslighters. No, good. No, God, I think there's. I think gaslighters are something different, actually. <laughs> But no, I wonder when that did. I'll have to look into that and see Gas, whenever. Gaslighting uh, is uh, is an expertise <laughs> of counsellors um, as opposed to. <laughs> you know, don't even go there. <laughs> so um, moving on. What, where were we? I don't even know what we were talking <laughs> So you were saying that you, you think that actually yes, climate I think crisis committees have aren't required. No, I don't think they have to declare. I don't think anybody has to declare it. I think there's no point in declaring it if you're not going to actually get on and do it. And that's what the argument was always at Broadland District Council. It's fine to stand up and say, oh yeah, we're declaring a state of emergency. But it's what you actually do with it. You need to be out there and to be practical and and be doing the things that needed to be done and they and were very very good at it the recycling that we that they did absolutely fantastic um you know they they were leaders um uh, for you know for the district councils in in the country i would think they were. They, they really yeah absolutely were. the recycling rates were were enormous i will say you know i will say this and that is that i'm going to surprise you and say to the most part, I actually agree with you. Wow. Um, I've just fallen I, off uh, my chair if I wasn't yeah. ready. <laughs> <laughs> if you weren't already off your trolley. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I I do agree with you to the most part. Uh, maybe not on, on like everything, because that would just be no, ridiculous. That would just, um, exactly. And then we'd have to stop doing a podcast. Um, but I agree with you in terms of... Um, like the forming of committees to look at climate climate crises and things like that. I think that actually we have enough to be doing at the moment um, without creating committees to look at things, which to the most part is one out of our hands. And two, I think that it should be a whole council approach. I think when you create a committee to look at this, actually what it should be is going through full council. And instead of, the time that you administer another committee in terms of getting everyone together, mm-hmm. everyone coming out at a certain time, talking around it to, to show kind of support and lip service and promote it locally. Yeah. You know, I would much rather see things go through full council yeah. and actually get these things proposed, developed and, and go for it. And also, I think people are kind of, it's becoming such a politicised issue that actually you could end up stopping yourself from doing something because people become so polarised. If you put through a lot of the stuff that you want to put through a committee, if you put it through full council without developing into some big package which people are going to be like, you're buying into this green propaganda and all of this nonsense, you know, you probably won't get the same people coming out for full council where it's just another agenda item to say, should we do this water saving thing? Should we plant these trees? Should we do this? You know, you'll get a lot of people come out and say, yeah, that's a great idea. It's gone through full council where you expect the majority of business to go and you shouldn't be putting the majority of business to committees anyway. And to the most part, you'll be able to achieve exactly the same things, less administration, probably less cost, and it won't be as contentious. As soon as you start 
kind of grand committees on climate crisis, someone's going to turn mm-hmm. up and say, so what are you doing about the crisis then? And then it's, well, this is everything that we're doing. It's like, well, yeah, but but China's doing this or, you know, the other yeah. like developing economies doing that. So how are you countering that then? And of course we can't. And so you're, you're creating a committee with a title that really potentially is, is actually just going to switch people off to it instead of, you know, it coming through. Now, that's not a universal thing. I respect anyone who's done it and the people who've done fantastic work. And I'm not saying that it's not worth doing. I'm just saying, you know, there are other ways of doing it. And I don't think playing that lip service to the climate crisis is actually required to make significant impacts on your community, which is exactly what you said. (laughs) Exactly what I said in not so many words. Um, (laughs) But what I was, I was just thinking, actually, as you were saying about, um, you know, the the different countries and, and not doing bits and pieces. 32 years ago, no, maybe three, 33 years ago, I went to Singapore and um, I promise you they were so far ahead of their time. It was unbelievable. You couldn't drive around the, the um, anywhere, you know, the island on with half a tank of fuel. You, you know, you had to, your engine had to be clean. You, if you, you know, it's, it's common knowledge that if you, you drive around with low fuel that you're going to burn up um, your um, fumes, you, you know, you're going to cause more pollution. Get rid um, of, get rid of the, the, the garbage out of your fuel tank. Yeah. So, so 32 years ago, they was, there was a rule that you, you had to, you know, make sure that your tank was always topped up. Um, you couldn't um, eat chewing gum and throw it on, in, out in the street. The The place was so clean. It was unbelievable. I was really quite disappointed whenever I went there because I was expecting it to be something like um, a paradise island and you've got all these palm trees and it was all, you know, just so um, a bit like paradise. And um, and it was all built up, um, multi-storey, massive um skyscrapers and but it was just so clean and i don't know how they've moved on from that actually it'd probably be interesting to look and see how how what they've done to make themselves more greener but they started something like this 32 years ago and um the streets were were clean everybody took their rubbish home there was no, you know, you could, you, you just didn't find anything. And there was another thing that they did um, was uh, you, anybody um, who had long hair would be expected right. to get it cut, even as you were a holiday bag. And Kevin had quite long hair in those days. And that's hard to believe. And you would have been in a problem as well if you'd have gone in your early days. And, um, and there was a, an issue with us when we got to the hotel because his hair was quite long and you could see that they were really frowning at the fact that this fella was in jeans are you sure that the hair was what they were frowning I've seen you frowning a lot at him and it's never about his hair <laughs> Yeah. But what I'm trying to say is that, you know, we sit and say, oh, look what China's doing, what India's doing. But going back all those years ago, um, they had started the trend of trying to keep pollution down and um, and keeping it a smog-free city. So I, it will be interesting to have a look and see how they've 
what they've done to improve themselves. Well, that put me back in my box. <laughs> no, that was just a, a, a the standing orders podcast by Politis. <laughs> You've cut it off I meant, again. Yeah, I meant to try and stop it, and uh, I've deleted the <laughs> I've deleted the soundtrack. I'm so oh, you are it. kidding me! So it's going. Have to be, you really deleted it? Yeah, it's going to be. Yeah, well, you insert. have to do it again. Well, no, no, no! I haven't deleted the podcast. I've deleted the. No, I mean the. the I mean the the intro, or oh, the thank you it. for being. Thank you for. Yeah, I'll, I'll find it from one of the other podcasts. Oh, for goodness' sake, Thomas! I know, I know, I know, I know. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs>